This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The first reading for today is from the book of Acts, chapter 1. Luke writes, In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote above all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The second reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Christ comes to us in the word and the word is alive and the word changes us. From Luke, the 24th chapter. Jesus said to the eleven and those with them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that 
Everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead, and on the third day, and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. Please be seated. At the uh, first service, we were trying to think of symbols to represent ascension. And so during the uh, Thanksgiving for baptism, we had our little bubble machine going. The idea, you know, the only problem was they don't really ascend. They, they keep coming down. Which kind of points to the whole problem with the ascension. What's up? Oh, man, I sort of totally made that the title for my sermon. What up? Um, as, as I was looking for images of the ascension to put on the, the front of the bulletin, I couldn't decide which one to, to go with, so I just put them all on there. And um, one of the things that I found out pretty quickly when you're looking for images of the ascension is that a lot of them just look really weird. Um, that, I mean, the one in the upper left there, it looks like they're flying a, a Jesus kite. And, and it got me thinking about, you know, what would I have done if I was there at the ascension? Like, if Kevin just started lifting up out of his seat and levitating into the sky, what would I do? Would I worship? Or would I go, Jesus! <laughs> you know, what's going, I mean, the idea of someone just floating up in the sky is kind of a scary image, which got me looking at like various video depictions of the ascension, and there there's, was one rather famous Life of Jesus movie, and it gets to the ascension, and Jesus blesses him and kind of smiles and does this Superman thing. He got, woo! And he just flies up and he's gone. Um, sometimes they just have him kind of dissolving in, in, into light. Or, uh, but anyway, I, I started looking at these, trying to get some idea. And th this image here, I kind of liked. It's, uh, it's from an illuminated manuscript. And it shows Jesus walking up a mountain and God reaching a hand down, like to give him a little hand up there. And it, it kind of struck me because when I have seen images of the harrowing of hell, when Jesus, after the crucifixion, goes down into hell and breaks open the gates, it's depicted the same way. Jesus is reaching through and giving those souls imprisoned a hand up. 
I kind of like the way that chain works. Jesus helps them up. God helps him up. And we all get up to heaven. And then the one in the middle here kind of lets go of reality, which I think maybe we kind of have to do when we're talking about the ascension. And it shows the clouds parting and, and little cherubs and, and things. I don't, think it, it, I, I don't think we're really supposed to believe that when we get to heaven there's little winged babies uh, flying around. But it gives that idea that something different is happening here. And this one down here is from an icon, and oftentimes the icons use that circle to depict, it looks like a big brass plate, um, to depict mystery. So they're saying basically, you know, if you're going to talk about the ascension, you're talking about mystery. There's no way to really know what happened. And then that bottom left one, which is my favorite of the group, is from a Life of Christ movie that was made in India. And it ends with Jesus blessing the disciples. And then for the ascension, Jesus doesn't fold it up in the sky. He starts growing. And he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is supposed to be the view that the disciples have, which is a little frightening, uh, of Jesus kind of waving goodbye as he gets bigger and bigger. But the more I thought about it, maybe that is a very helpful image to understand what the ascension is all about. In um, the class I was teaching, in between classes, we were, we were talking a little bit about how people understand the world. And we tend to understand the world in three tiers. That there's this level that we walk on, and then there's the sky, and then there's Whatever is underneath this. And so it would make sense that when Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples would perceive him as going up into the sky. Up into the abode of the gods. The only problem was that, is that somewhere along the line, someone came and spoiled the party by discovering that the world is round. That the world is a sphere, which kind of screws up our three-tiered universe, because now which way is up? Up in the northern hemisphere is different from up in the southern hemisphere. So which way is heaven? Which, of course, brings up the whole question of heaven. What is heaven? Well, in the 1800s, we gradually settled on this image of heaven that looks like the ideal family summer camp filled with, with beautiful fields for playing frisbee and, and nicely um, you know, trimmed bushes and, and trees and, and cute little lambs from petting zoo wandering around. But in scripture, heaven is oftentimes used synonymously with the idea of God's fullness. God's mystery, God's glory. Heaven is the abode of God. It is where God is. So it's not so much a place where God is, it is God. And so when Jesus ascends into heaven, Jesus comes into the fullness of his godness. 
he expands into the fullness of God, which again got me, I'm sorry, this is what happens when I've had too much coffee and I can't settle on one image. I just end up going from image to image. I started thinking of the Big Bang Theory. You know, they, they talk about the, maybe the universe expands and then contracts and expands and contracts. It is as if God contracted into one point, that point known as Jesus, the incarnation. And now in the resurrection and the ascension, God explodes outward again, blasting the gates off of hell, blasting apart this damaged universe and bringing something new into being, a new heaven, a new earth, a new universe. And like the Big Bang, simply expands into all space. Oh, you're getting that glassy-eyed look. Okay, back up. And we'll ask the question that every preacher should ask before they even start talking. So what? What difference does the ascension even make? Who cares if Jesus floated up into the clouds or not? I think it makes a huge difference. Because depending on how we understand the ascension, it reveals how we understand the earth, each other, heaven, hell. Because if Jesus ascended up into some different spot where God was, leaving this world behind, then what that communicates to us is that Jesus is done here. Job finished. Mission accomplished. Now I'm going home. Good vacation. And it also implies that Jesus is done with this earth. That the incarnation was kind of an unpleasant have-to that God had to do in order to win salvation. But now God's done with all that. Thank God I can go back to the heavenly summer camp and not have to hang out with you guys anymore. And indeed, that is the way some people view our role as Christians. Our role as Christians is now that Jesus is gone, we are to wait for Jesus to return. And while we're waiting for Jesus re to return, our goal is to keep from being infected by the earth, to keep from being tainted or sullied by the nasty ways of this earth. But if Jesus expands into all space and all time and all places, then Jesus is never gone. Jesus is still here. And, the, and in our second reading, we heard uh, the phrase, all things under his feet. I suppose one way you could think of that is like his, his little feet dangling from the cloud and we're all underneath it. But it, a better way to understand that is that his feet are firmly planted on all things, in all places, in all times. 
And if that is so, then that means God is present everywhere and in everyone and thing. Which means I have to look differently. And I am filled with wonder by what I see. When I look at you, I, I can't just see you as, as the other troubled monkey on the other side of the aisle that, you know, better off without you. But rather, I have to see God in you. I have to see you as the Theotokos, the, the God-bearer. The weeds in my yard. Before I pull them up, I should take a moment to wonder at God's presence in them. At the beauty that they have in and of themselves, bearing God's fingerprints. Because God has expanded into them too. And it becomes awfully hard to draw distinctions between people. Or between people and the world that we inhabit when I have to acknowledge that God is present in all of them. God has expanded into the physicality of them. And, God help me, of me. Some theologians talk about the ascension in terms of God ascending into the Eucharist, which is kind of liturgical speak, but I kind of like it because as you can see, the altar space has changed here. The candle that was front and center as a sign of Christ's presence with his disciples is now back in its normal spot. And what takes its space front and center is the table on which the bread and wine is placed, on which we acknowledge Christ's physical presence with us. We acknowledge that this miracle has happened and Christ has expanded into that as well. And we're told that we are witnesses to these things. Why are you looking up into the heavens? Why are you looking up into the clouds, the strangers say? And it comes as a fitting reminder that our attention isn't up there waiting for Christ to return. Our attention is to be here on the Christ who has never left, but rather has simply expanded into everything. And there's a certain comfort in knowing that into understanding that perhaps that is how Christ keeps that promise to his disciples that lo, I am with you to the end of the age. I will not leave you orphaned. But I come to you and continue to come to you as the resurrected and the ascended one. Amen.